Welcome to another SustainableWineBlog.com podcast with me, Toby Webb, and I'm delighted that I am at the Raw Wine Fair in London today on the 11th of March 2018. And first off, I went straight over to the Anchor Hill Estates table because I wanted to talk to them for quite a while uh, about the wines they make. So I'm delighted that uh, Dave Morris, who is the winemaker, is joining me in the podcast. So morning, Dave. How are you? Yeah, good, thanks. Yeah. And tell us briefly, um, which wines are you showing here at uh, the Royal Wine Fair this year? So this year we've got a Blanc de Noir non-vintage, which is a blend of 13 and 2013-2014, a Still Rosé, which is 2015, and a Pet Nat uh, non-vintage as well, which is 2015-16. Okay, let's come back to that uh, a bit later, that last one, so our listeners can hear a bit more about it. But for those who don't know about um, Ankill Estates, for me, as a sustainable wine blog writer, why would I come and talk to you? What's your, uh, what's your history and, and why are you guys interested in, in sustainability? Uh, well, mum and dad started the vineyard in 2006, uh, just really as a kind of a, a hobby after retire- retirement. Um, and I was working elsewhere in France at the time. Um, and they saw I was doing, where I was working, how I was working uh, biodynamically and um, yeah, I came back in 2011 and started converting all the vineyards to biodynamics then and uh, started making the wine from 2013. Um, so it's kind of the estate has since it just being a small retirement project it has grown sort of organically, we're now 11 hectares um, and we're fully, um, everything's done in house now. And how old are the vines that you're using? So the oldest vines are about 10 years now. Okay, so still pretty young, really, in the life yeah. of a vine. Yeah, very young, yeah. So you, I suppose you're seeing the wines evolve as or improve, change as the vines get older. Um, what impacts have you noticed um, from, from more sustainable practices in the last few years? The whole um, ecology of the site has changed. I mean, um, you know, like people always ask, you know, do you, know, do you take dig soil profiles and stuff to see what's going on and what difference has been made. You don't need to because just the the diversity of flora and fauna that's that's there now compared to what it was even, you know, five, six years ago is noticeably better. There's more stuff. Uh, you know, so everything from, you know, the, the, the raptors that are they're flying about, you know, we we've we've got, you know, four or five different types of, of, of raptors around so you know they need something to to catch so then there's there's it means there's lots of mice and and other things and then they have to be there so there's there's lots of insects for them to eat and so they wouldn't be there if there aren't lots of microorganisms in the soil so it's all kind of um quite quite obvious to see if you're working in the vineyard every day so the vineyard started in 2006 and the first the first bottling was when? The first harvest was a small one in 2008. 2009-10 um, were the first sort of harvests. And what are your customers saying to you since you've gone more down the road of biodynamics? Um, well our core customer hasn't really changed massively. Um, I mean, you know, I, I, we, we make natural biodynamic wines but I try to make, you know, classic wines as well so I don't feel that we're um, we sort of we're excluding you know um, the sort of traditional customer base if you like do you, are, you, are your reviews changing based upon your sustainable farming practices I suppose that's what I'm trying to ask 
Yes, a little I bit. I mean, you know, we're we're sort of we are in a different um, sort of s- s- sphere of influence now, I suppose. Um, and we probably are compared to lots of the conventional UK producers. So, um, yeah, I mean, most mostly positive, you know, sort mm. of the feedback. So, I mean, you, you, I don't really read them. You just take <laughs> it with a pinch of salt because somebody likes it, somebody doesn't. That's no, it's fine. very subjective, so. isn't it? So, what about age worthiness? Um, do you think your sustainable practices have an impact on the age worthiness of the wines? Are they are they more designed now to be drunk young, or do you think they can they can go for for decades? I mean, we're not, you know, we don't really know yet, you know. So my first bottlings of organically certified wines that have been made entirely by me and everything done on site is 2013. Um, so, you know, they were bottled in 2015. Mm-hmm. So they've only been in bottle for, you know, three years. Time so it's hard, to, it's, it's hard to tell. I mean, I don't... Um, the, the major difference really is the elevage of, of the wines is much more extended. So today we're, we're showing a 2015 still rosé that I only bottled last week. So that's, you know, that traditionally a rosé's turn around very quickly and sold very quickly. So I guess that, that's, and that's got no added sulfur at all. So, um, you know, if it wasn't, if the fruit wasn't concentrated enough, then that wouldn't be possible. So. Mm-hmm. Okay. And do you see yourselves as natural winemakers or biodynamic winemakers? Or do you define it in any particular way? Because there does seem to be a little bit of a difference between between the two in some cases. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, again, really, we're biodynamic because that's how I want to work. That's kind of for us. That's for me, really. Mm. Um, we're natural, if you like, because we don't mess around with the wines, adding lots of stuff. Again, that's just because I think that's the best way to make wine. Um, so we get called whatever. I mean, I don't okay. really mind either way. <laughs> Do you know, I, we just try and make the wine as 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 good as possible. Yeah. Um, you know, for for everyone's palate, it's we're, we're, you know it's. Okay. Well, I want to come on to your practices in the in the vineyard in a minute. But before that, I want to ask you whether or not you think it's fair that some people describe natural wine as lazy winemaking? Again, it's the same as any type of winemaking. There's good natural winemakers and there's bad natural winemakers. The same as there are conventional good and bad. So you have to, I always tell people you have to learn an awful lot in order to do less in the, in the winery because you don't have that safety net so you need to know if something's going wrong you need to know very quickly mm-hmm. so there's a lot of pressure on your palate mm-hmm. um, and actually getting every single thing right in the vineyard first so that you don't have to interfere in the in the winery so yeah I mean I, I spend 99.9 percent of my time in the vineyard and very little time in the winery mm-hmm. but I think um, you have to know what you're doing in order to get to that stage otherwise yep yeah. Okay. Uh, so let's talk about your biodynamic practices. There, it seems to be a bit of a spectrum. I mean, I've, I've been all over the world, luckily enough, interviewing winemakers who are into biodynamics. And some take some bits, some go full on, some are really into some bits and regard others as weird. Um, and there isn't a lot of, there isn't a huge amount of consistency, which I think is, is great because yeah. it's, it's more of a philosophy than a, it's, a set it's, it's list the whole, of things you're supposed to do. Right? That's the whole point. 
That's that exactly the point. I mean, it shouldn't be prescriptive um, because otherwise you might as well just be listening to a, an agronomist telling you to put this chemical on at this time, this chemical on at that time. Yeah, or it could be like organic certification where it's more about what you don't do than what you do. Yeah. Right? Yeah, well, I mean, I think that, that's, that is the big difference between biodynamics and organics in that quite often organics can just be a, yeah, what you're not doing. So it's more... Maybe it's more of a sort of a political stance, yep. whereas biodynamics is much more proactive. Yep. You are actually trying to attain a balance between the soil, the air, you know, all the life forces in, yep. in on your piece of land. So, so, so how far do you take it? Because I've met some winemakers who say, I love the preparations, but harvesting at two o'clock in the morning on the right day is mad. And then I meet other winemakers who say, the preparations are homeopathic nonsense, but I really get the phases of the moon part. Um, I guess you're doing all of it, would you say? No, no, I mean, um, again, we don't really follow a lunar calendar. Um, we, you know, if I've got a problem plot, then I, I'll, I'll prune it at the right time, like in a sort of um, according to the moon. But uh, And I'll always pay attention to, um, you know, like uh, perigee and full moon mm-hmm. um, for spraying horsetail and 501 to try and sort of uh, try and affect that. But otherwise, really, you've got to, again, it, it can become too prescriptive, you know, yeah. so you, you've got to, obviously, you've got to do what's right for, you know, the, the soil conditions and the, and the microclimate in your vineyard at the right time. So are there any elements that you see other people using that you don't ascribe to or use when you think about biodynamics? Yeah, I mean, there's always, there's, you know, there's, there are people who, who will, who will, you know, get like a Maria Tun calendar and do every single thing, you know, which is which is fine. Like I it's 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 up to it's up to the individual. Yeah. Um so um as I said before, I think biodynamics it depends why you're doing it. Biodynamics is for me it's okay. It's it, it's it's a nice way of, of working, it's a responsible way of working. Um, so so what do you think about the the idea that Biodynamics can be great for whites, but could make reds too vigorous if the vineyard's too healthy. I mean, before I turn the tape on, you were talking about some things you're doing to make sure in the vineyard that you, you know that there's alternatives taking nitrogen and so on. So maybe yeah. tell us a bit about that. Well, again, I mean, it depends again what you're, where you're farming and what you're farming. Um, like personally, I we've seen a huge increase in the available nitrogen um, in our vines, and we need to we need to curb that so but I don't want to stop working biodynamically so it's about finding another way of balancing it and we're very lucky um, with our soils are very deep um, you know and our climate is our growing season is you know sort of an average of 20 degrees with enough with plenty of rainfall mm. so we're able to to take another crop off as well as grapes and that's our way of balancing it and what what kind of crop is that this year it's going to be um, it's going to be maize, um, and it's going to be rotated then every other year with um, kale, and then we'll make um, silage out of both of those for um, f- for feeding livestock. And why the rotation? Just to have something different in the yeah. soil to yeah, exactly. Okay. Yeah. And how hard is it to do what you're doing in, in the UK? Because you know. I'm always amazed to see that you know champagne producers are able to go biodynamic. When you go there and you see what the weather's like, and then you come here, you know we're in Ireland, 
It must be quite tough. Um, although I do understand Anchor Hill has this incredible microclimate. Someone said it was told me it was the best weather in the UK. Technically. Yeah, yeah. Is no, right? it is. And um, yeah, I mean, it's not. It's not. It's not. It's not easy, but it's 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 no it's no more difficult than 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 growing vines anywhere else. There's different challenges everywhere. Um, as I said, like we haven't got we haven't got another vineyard around us, so we're very protected from that point of view. You know, we don't have to worry about spray drift or yep. um, or you know someone else's bad practice causing some other kind of disease. Mm -hmm. um, we get so we're 40 minutes from Cardiff. Cardiff during the growing season, which is sort of April to September, will get four times the annual rainfall that we do wow. at the moment. So we are in a rain shadow as well. That's incredible. Um, so how big is this sort of microclimate that you're in, just to give our listeners an idea? Well, the, the Wye Valley is is quite famous for its soft fruit growing. Mm. You know, sort of like 90% of the black currants in the UK are grown there and lots and lots of apples and lots of top fruit. So um, it's not, you know, asparagus as well, something like 60% of the asparagus in the UK is grown in the Wye Valley. So it's not... It's not a um, it's not a secret. It's just more that um, you know that wine production is not a traditional yeah. pursuit there. So, so you're, the, you're the only vineyard in that area. Though. No, no. There's a couple. There's yeah. a couple more now. Yeah, I would have yeah. thought it would be seen as quite a yeah, up and coming place. Yeah, and I to... think I think there'll be more and more planting as well, which is which would be great. Yeah. Um, you know, it would be, be really good to have more producers and hopefully some more biodynamic producers locally as well. Great. Um, so what are the biggest challenges you do face in the vineyard, farming biodynamically? Mil mildew? Yields? No, I mean, yields is, is for us, but that's the oh. same in, in all the UK, whether you're biodynamic or conventional. Yeah. Or what kind of yields are you getting per, let's say, per hectare? If you can, what do you so do we're, we're normally, we, on average, we get about two tonnes an acre. So you're talking oh. about five tonnes per hectare. Hmm. Um, so it's low. Yeah, you know, I mean, it's as low as anyone else in the in the room downstairs, probably, and that's on average. So, you know, we get bad years as well. Um, but damp? No, not a problem. No, I mean, powdery mildew is probably our biggest right. our biggest problem on Chardonnay. Um, but otherwise, no downy mildew is never a problem. We haven't used any copper in the vineyards for five years now. Um, so and. Botrytis is never really an issue. So is this is this because of your microclimate? You think? Yeah, and also I think it's because the site's very very balanced. You know, it's what you're trying to achieve with biodynamics is a um, is a healthy ecosystem in which to in which to grow things. Yep. Rather than a, a monoculture where you know one one problem can become you know massive. Mm -hmm. So what would be the flavour characteristics of your wines, and where can our listeners get them if they want to find out more? So, as I said, all the wines have quite a long elevage now. Um, so they're in the winery in tank or barrel for uh, like a minimum of 12 months before they're bottled. It's usually closer to two years. Um, so, and on that time, they're completely on their um, gross lees. There's no racking off lees at all. Mm -hmm. um, so that allows us to use very little sulphur, but it also gives the wine, I think, quite a lot of sort of body and character. Um, they're fruit. They're fruit-driven wines. They're they're drinking wines. You know, the the philosophy is that that wine should be, you know, shared amongst you know friends and family and people you love and enjoyed with a, a meal. You know. Um, and the sparkling. How would you characterise that? 
uh, up to this up to this point, we've um, we don't add any dosage typically to the white sparklings. Um, so, um, how do I describe them? I I, I think they're they're um, I think they're quite unique. Um, they're not. And the great blend, English just to, just to clarify the So blend. again, we it's all, keep... It's all Chardonnay? Or? So the Blanc de Blanc is 100% Chardonnay. Yep. Blanc de Noir is 100% Pinot Noir. Okay. And Sparkling Rosé is usually a blend of the two. Okay. Do you not do a, a non-rosé that's a blend of the two? No. No? Is there, why, why not? That... I like keeping the varietal separate. Okay. I, I think varietal. then the, the, the varietal sings and speaks for itself. So then. you got more sort of acidity on the Chardonnay and more sort of richness on the... No, again, we kind of the opposite way around. Okay. So uh, typically our Blanc de Blanc Chardonnay will get five years on its lees. Okay. Um, so it will have an elevage of two years in 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 oak barrel. Okay. Um, and then it will have five years in the cellar on its lees. Oh, wow. So you get more of the buttery... Yeah. So whereas then the, the Blanc de Noir, the Blanc de Noir is more fruit-driven. Okay. Um, and it's more... Uh, sort of two to four years on its lease. Okay. And you mentioned, we said we were going to talk a bit more about the red grape. Yeah, true. You mentioned earlier. So tell us a bit about that. Well, I don't really know anything about it, to be fair. Um, so who are you using it? Are you well, still it's finding a, out about we've, it? We've got, a, we've got a quarter of an acre of it. Right. So basically when the vineyard was very first planted, as, as I said, you know, just as a kind of retirement project, yeah. a consultant said, put some Triumph in because it's, it's an unusual varietal in that it's red juice. It doesn't need any skin contact mm -hmm. to, to, to extract colour. So the pulp is red. So he, he was sort of like, well, you can then use it to colour anything up. So if okay. you make a, a still rosé or a still... Okay. So that's why it was... This. It sounds fascinating. No, so that's why it's planted. It's kind of like a bit of a Marmite variety, if I can say that, in that it, it's, it's unlike anything you've ever tasted. Right. It's, it's a crazy... It's very, very dark in colour, very, very high acidity... Um, and very, very like uh, brambly fruit. And okay. so, Barbera, since sort of like Barbera? Or how, what, what? You've got to, I, no, I can't, you can't, I can't honestly compare. can't describe it. It is okay. unlike anything else. So, um, we've kind of had the challenge since 2013 of what to do with it. Yeah. We always make around a thousand bottles of it a year. Okay. And so, we've tried various different sort of guises of still wines. Mm hmm. Um, and now we've decided, because of its acidity and because it's so fruity as well, to uh, do it as a pet nat. So the one we're showing here is a blend of 2015, which right. is made as like a conventional red wine. Mm -hmm. uh, so like a 30-day carbonic maceration, and then 12 to 14 months in concrete egg. Um, and then 2016, it was a very short 10-day maceration. It was pressed, it was still fermenting, the two were blended together and bottled. Mm -hmm. So for like a sparkling wine, we're looking at sort of five bar pressure. For the uh, Pet Nat, it's more like sort of two, three bar. When you say Pet Nat, just tell our listeners what you mean. Petillon Naturel. Okay, so which rather, means? Well, so as opposed to like a sparkling wine or a champagne, the process is, it goes through an, an inoculation, so tirage, where you add some yeast and sugar and then bottle it. Um, it's the opposite of, we, we don't do any, that process doesn't happen. It's just bottled whilst it's, whilst it's still fermenting. Because it's bottled, the, the CO2 produced can't escape, so it dissolves into the wine. Okay. 
Wow. And is this common in the sort of natural wine movement or is this a... Yeah, no, it is quite, yeah, okay. it's more and more, so yeah. Okay. But there's not many red um, pet nuts. No. Because you don't normally associate red wines with having the acidity to do it. And also they tend to have too much tannic structure. Interesting. Well, I'll look forward to trying it. Yeah, um, perfect. Dave Morris from Hill, thanks very much for your time. Okay, thanks for having me. And uh, just tell our listeners uh, yeah, where they can find out more and get your wines. Uh, so there is a stockist list on the website, on our website, okay. but um, sort of in London, typically I think Canford's have quite a good selection and I think Vagabond do, and, and then we're in a lot of restaurants and stuff like that. Great, look forward to trying it. Thanks cool. for your time. All right.